And again, we've been dealing with uh, the fact that you and I are priests. Anyone in uh, the Lord's family who has asked Jesus Christ to be their Savior are priests. He has sanctified us. He has set us apart. And again, are reminding us of that because we're going to see that again in the verses we're about to look at this morning, that God has done a work in us. And because we are his people, his children, because... As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, he sets you apart unto himself. But then he commands us to sanctify ourselves. So even though God has designed us to walk a different walk, to live a different life, to represent his name, okay, that we don't always do that, do we? Okay, and I like the song we sang right in the very beginning, Jesus loves even me. Okay, there may be times where I'm wandering astray, but he still loves me, amen? Uh, I think about that in, in the fact with my children, and uh, some of you have children, some of you have adult children, some of you have grandchildren or great-grandchildren or great-great-great-grandchildren. You know that uh, they don't always act correctly, do they? But that doesn't stop us from loving them. That doesn't mean if they're disobedient, they are no longer a part of your family you still love them and encourage them and ask them to do what is right. Uh, that is our God, and I love that. That I, He has sanctified me. He has set me apart. Another way that the Scripture describes that is He has fenced me in to be something special. I'm not just some wild animal anymore. I'm one of God's. I'm His flock. But I get a chance to choose to act like that or not. Right? And we've been really going over the last few weeks about things that might disqualify you from that. If you are not being the person God wants you to be, and I sang that song on purpose just a few minutes ago, he says, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say, but I'll be what you want me to be. Because you know what? There's a lot of people in this world, and I've been one of them in my life now and then, that might do what God asks or say what I'm supposed to, but am I being the person that God wants me to be? Because I'll tell you what, you can say and do things, but you may not be being who you should be. Okay, that's why a lot of times people say they put that mask on when they get to church, right? I'm not living the life I should be living, but I can act like it when I get church. Okay, that one, one, one hour a week when I hit the pew, I can pretend really good to be a Christian. God says be careful of that, because you know what? When you and I start touching the holy things of God, we better have some reverence to them, because they're special. And then he talked about not only are we being who he wants us to be, but are we staying away from things that can defile us? Okay, that there are things that you and I can do in our lives that definitely disqualify us from becoming useful to God. If you are living in a life of sin, God's going to have a hard time using you. Because verses like, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay, there are verses that talk about the fact that if we're not watching our lifestyle and the decisions that we make and we're walking in sin we can easily profane his name okay we could defile ourselves and again we're going to see those exact phrases in a minute when we read this passage but then last week we talked about the fact that we can wash up okay and that the word of god is very clear that we wash in the water of his word Okay, the thing that he has left here to make sure we get a chance to be who we're supposed to be 
is because he's left us an instruction manual. Now, how many of you have heard the lame jokes in this world about men who don't read instructions? Okay, they get a kid's toy or a little uh, playhouse or some swing set in the backyard and they decide they're going to put the whole thing together and then they turn around there's pieces left. And the wife will say, have you read the instructions? And sure enough, the kids are out there swinging and the thing falls apart because we left some pieces off. Oh, I got this. I know where this goes. I can see where that goes. Uh, why? Because it didn't work out the way it was supposed to because we didn't spend time in the instruction manual. And we think, oh, that part can't be that important. Go to the instruction manual because it helps you. That's why God has given us this book. That's why we wash in the water by the word. If God is going to use us and we're going to be prepared to be functioning properly the way he wants us to, go look to the instructions and figure it out. Okay, there's some, so many truths to that. Well, we looked at that washing and how there are different parts to it. And well, we're going to sort of double down on that this morning because God reminds us that not only is the Word of God what we wash up in, but the Word of God is also our food. Okay, The Word of God is also our food. So we're going to turn to a few verses here this morning after we read this because I want you to see how often this concept is repeated in the Word of God. But this chapter this passage we're going to remind ourselves that priests have special food you didn't know that did you that the old testament priests didn't eat what everybody ate they ate special food okay and to the point where it was so special that it was reserved specifically for each priest's family it wasn't this just this big buffet style where everybody comes and takes what they want to that you as a priest provided for your family and another priest provided for their family. It was so specific that God is reminding us that even what nourishes us and keeps us alive and keeps us going is very important. Okay, so I want you to go. I gave us enough time to find Leviticus chapter 22 and look if you would to verse 7 and we'll go through verse 16. Okay, chapter 22, verse 7. And when the sun is down, he shall be cleaned and shall afterwards eat of the holy things because it is his food. We'll stop right there and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and what it teaches us. Lord, here you make it very clear that there are things we need to eat because it is our food. Father, help us as uh, you make this pretty clear throughout your word about how important our daily involvement in the scriptures is. And so, Father, just give us its, its encouragement today. Lord, we had men's prayer breakfast this morning. Lord, they're having a ladies' luncheon this afternoon. If there's one thing we know for sure, and Christians are good at this, Father, is that... Uh, we know how to eat. And Lord, you didn't design us accidentally. You knew exactly when you created us what this would mean and how vivid a picture this would be in our lives. So Father, I just pray that you would help, help make it clear. Father, help me as I'm continually learning. Uh, Lord, and, and Father, uh, stepping up to what you'd have me to do. And Lord, that we can convey that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, again, I love the Word of God. I love God's creation. I love the way He's designed this whole thing. Do you know that there are animals in this world that can eat once a month? Do you know that? There's some snakes and some other creatures that they'll eat one good meal and they can go a month without eating again. Isn't that great? Now, sometimes we don't think of that because we have you know, more mammalian kind of animals, whether they be, uh, uh, you know, bovine or anything else that have a daily eating routine. But there are a lot of animals. Do you think it would have been interesting if God created us that we only ate once a month? What a bummer that would be, man. But I'll tell you what, uh, our meals would be something special if they were once a month, wouldn't they? Okay, the old story that uh, about a... Uh, teacher asked some of the kids to come to their class uh, and bring something that represented their religion, okay, and uh, the, the little Jewish boy brought a little yarmulke, and um, the Muslim boy brought a, pr- a prayer mat to pray on, and the Christian boy brought a, a uh, casserole dish, okay, because we just love to have cookouts, don't we, bean suppers and uh, and potlucks and things like that. It was a joke. You can laugh, okay? But the idea is you understand how God created us? Okay, again, this is one of those things. There is nothing about this universe that functions the way it does that God didn't have a master plan on. And eating is another one of those amazing things that God uses to teach us, okay? And so you got your fingers lubed up, Okay, because we're going to turn to a few passages of Scripture. I want us to see how important this imagery is when it comes to you and I. All right, and this is something that's international. It is eternal, or at least as long as we're on this earth, this imagery. So go, if you would, to Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. Now, again, we're going to hit about, well, maybe seven or eight passages, because I want us to see this, that God really puts this imagery in our minds to give us understanding. Job chapter 23 and verse 12. You there with me? Job 23, 12 says this, Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Okay, it's important to understand, and this is one that hits, this is a large, uh, impactful verse for the ones we're going to look at. Job says, listen, the commandments of God, the words from his mouth, to me are more important than eating every day. Now I've got to ask you this question. I know the answer in my own life. And it's, I'm ashamed of it. Do I view my time in the Word of God as much and as important as I view my three meals a day? Hmm? I know the answer to that. Okay, And even if I am in the Word of God daily like I hope to be every day, the way I hope to be in it, do you know how much effort we put into our meals? We go shopping to plan our meals. We know exactly how long it's going to take to prepare our meals. Don't we? If you're going to do 
toast in the toaster, it's like a minute and 15 seconds, right? If you're going to put a turkey in the oven, right, you're going, hey, Google, Alexa, how long does it take to cook a 26-pound turkey? Yep. We already know all the effort, everything we're going to have to do. Okay, oh my, I wanted to make stir-fry on Tuesday. I better get the meat out of the freezer and thought. How much time do we put into the thinking about what we're going to eat? And boy, we're going to make sure we get at least three meals a day. Sometimes it's more than that. Okay, my wife and I, and again, this is just something, we could talk a lot deeper about this. I hope I'm not going to get into it this deep. But sometimes you get up and you skip breakfast. Now, I hope you don't, because it's not really that good for you. But you skip breakfast, and you eat lunch, and you eat at 5 o'clock for dinner, and then by 9 o'clock, what's the matter? I'm hungry. Why? Because I skipped breakfast. Okay, you know what? Eat breakfast, eat lunch, eat, eat dinner at a regular time. It's healthy for you. I'm not going to get into a dietary instruction for you. But God has purposefully put this into our system. We could eat once a month, right? But we eat, yeah, some of you go, no way I could eat once a month, right? Um, Job says, listen, this is more important than my necessary food. I view God's commandments and his word more important than eating every day. That we could probably close the sermon right there. And just remind ourselves, is that how we look at the word of God? Is it that important that... Oh man, I can smell that meat on the grill. It's making me drool. I'm thinking about it now, right? Oh, ladies' luncheon, they're going to go down. Say, Listen, we look forward to that. Do we look forward to the reading of God's Word that much? Do we crave it and long for it? Is it that much of a pleasure to us when we get into it? With that in mind, let's keep going. Psalm 119, 103. Psalm 119, 103. So Job gives us the... The first idea that it's just, it's more important than what we eat every day. But what is our attitude toward the Word of God? Okay, 119, 103. How sweet are thy words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, let me put this in a little bit more uh, today terms so we can understand this. I enjoy reading God's word more than a big bowl of ice cream. Psalm 119, 103. Because again, when we see honey in the word of God, we think, oh, I got honey on the shelf. I haven't opened that jar in 15 years. I got to run it under hot water to get the lid open. Right, when we look at honey in the word of God, it is one of the only sweet treats that people had access to. You understand in the scripture, you couldn't just go down to the store and buy a bag of sugar. Honey was one of those things that was probably the most dessert-like, sweet-tasting pleasures in that old world. You understand this? He said, the word of God is sweet like honey to my taste. I love it so much, that's how it means to me. And we talk about it's more than our necessary food, but is it that sweet? Now, I'm not an ice cream person, okay? I, you, many of you know that. I've told the story before. Last night, my wife got a bowl of ice cream. She said, you want some ice cream? I said, no. And some of you are going, why would you say no? 
I just not a I'm not a big sweets person. I'm a big meat and potato person. Okay? But do you understand the concept here? Something you crave, something you desire, something you love so much that it's oh, it's just so it is the sweetest thing I can think of. What's your favorite dessert? Somebody tell me. Soft serve ice cream, ice cream figures, yeah. How about chocolate? Chocolate. Okay. Banana cream pie, Lynn. You went to Somebody else? Okay, cheesecake. Put your own blank in there. The Word of God is so pleasurable to me, it is better than my favorite dessert. Hmm. Is that how? So we look at it. It's more important than our everyday necessary survival food that I take in to keep myself going. But not only that, it's better than the sweetest thing that I can think of. All right, keep going. Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah 15. Now, as we're turning there, I want us to understand, this is what God is talking about to the priests. He's saying, listen, it is your food. It is what sustains you. It is what keeps you. Our food spiritually is God's word. Now, you and I need to eat physically. But you know what? If I ate a, had Oscar and I teased every once in a while about this. Literally, every Sunday morning before I preach, I eat a piece of bread with peanut butter on it. That is my breakfast. The only thing that changes that is when we go out to men's prayer breakfast. So I, I, Oscar comes in every once in a while and says, so, did you eat peanut butter and bread this morning? I'm like, yep. Because <laughs> that is what I eat on a Sunday morning. Now, does that mean because I ate a big breakfast out with the men at men's prayer breakfast at the restaurant that I'm going to preach better this morning than when I have peanut butter and bread? No, because our spiritual food is what helps us to serve, not necessarily our physical food. You see this? I'm trying to make sure we understand this. Okay, even though God's saying this is the food, okay, if I eat a big egg and pancakes and sausage breakfast, or if I eat just a yogurt for breakfast, that's not what makes me spiritual. What makes me spiritual is being in this food. Okay, and this is, again, I told you we're doubling down. We talked last week about washing in the water of the word. Now we're talking about what feeds us. What sustains us? What helps us stay going and, in, and strengthens us? Okay, you were there uh, with me in Jeremiah chapter 15? Look at verse 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And the word was unto me a joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by, the name, by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah says, listen, I found your word, and I ate them. Why? Because he understood this is what sustains me. This is my food. The Word of God. Um, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Go, if you would, to Ezekiel. So, Jeremiah, we're going to Ezekiel, Daniel. So, if you find yourself in, in Daniel, you're away a little too far. Ezekiel says something. Now, this is from chapter 2 in chapter 3. I want you to see what the Lord tells Ezekiel about this word now i'm going to we're going to talk about a roll here okay we're not talking about a dinner roll 
Okay, we're not talking about, you know, a, a big coffee cake roll. Not, this is not actual food. This roll is a scroll with writing on it. All right, so I just want to preface that. So when we read this, we don't think, oh, I like rolls too. My, my mother makes great rolls, okay? That's not the kind of roll we're talking about. We're talking about a roll of Scripture. Okay, now, so if you're with me, we are in Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8. But thou, son, uh, son of man, excuse me, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, and hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was writing therein lamentations and mourning and woe in chapter 3. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go and speak unto the house of Israel. And I opened my mouth, and he did cause me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give. And I did eat it, and it was to my mouth honey for sweetness. You see this imagery in God's word that he's talking about? God lays a scroll out with writings of the word of God on it, and he tells Ezekiel, listen, eat it. Put it in your mouth, chew on it. Now listen, if you go home and start stuffing the pages of this book down, uh, okay, we're going to have a little problem. Okay, uh, the, please, you understand how God uses pictorial language to teach us things. He is not saying that Ezekiel picked up this papyrus or skin roll that these words were on and chewed on it and swallowed it. He's talking about the things that were writing on it. I want you to chew on it and use it to nourish yourself to the point where I want you to fill up your whole belly. How many of you done that? Get to that point where, oh, I shouldn't have had that last plate. You see how God is vividly using this? And then he uses that same word, phrase. He said it was like honey for sweetness. You see how God uses this imagery about his word? Look, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. This is probably one of the more famous verses in regards to this subject. He said, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Again, reminding us that you're not going to survive when it comes to serving God on just bread, just food in this physical life, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now notice, I love this phrase, and um, we saw it a little bit alluded to in one verse we already read. How many words? Every word. Now remember last week we talked about the fact that, yes, it's important to do deep studies in a certain passage, and it's important to do devotionals and you might get a book that guides you through different subjects and different thoughts but every word it is important that you and i spend time reading every word 
Please, if you haven't picked up your Bible and read every word, please do so. I'm not asking you to do it in one sitting. But you know what? If you do devotionals and things like that, sometimes it leads us to just a few books, especially New Testament books. But Jesus here says you can't live but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Which means you and I at least need to read every word. Now, I'm not telling you a time frame, because some of us can get through the word of God in a year, according to us. Some of us can read through it in, you know, a couple times in a year. Maybe you've never read through it, the entire thing. Well, Bible says you can't live but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see it? You cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth. And that's why it's very important that we talk about reading the entire Bible. But, Pastor, that means those begots and begottens and everything. Yep. That means trying to pronounce those names. Go back and get the recordings of Dan reading it, because he reads those names pretty good. Okay? He's blessed in that. I look at those names and say, this B guy. But God makes it important that we want to spend time in every word. All right? Um, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Again, a verse we're probably a little bit more familiar with in some of the Old Testament ones. But Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For when a time you ought to be teachers, you have need again, one teach you again, excuse me, have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need milk, not strong meat. So again, he says, you guys need some teachers to tell you what, he said, you should be chewing on some heavy duty stuff here. You should be into the strong food of God's word, but you're not. He said, you got need for a teacher again to come give you just milk. But you see how again, the oracles of God, the teaching of his word is compared to us and food. Milk, meat, okay? Um, and I hope you can handle it. I really do. Um, we know I had one, a young man ask me just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I need a Bible. He's just getting into the faith. And he says, where should I start reading? And I said, you know, because he wants to pick it up like a lot of people read a book and start at Genesis and just start reading. Well, Genesis is okay. Exodus is okay. Leviticus, good luck to you. Okay, we're studying it here. It's not an easy read. Then you get into Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law. Ooh, by the time you get in there, it's, it's hard read. You know where you need to go? John. 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John. Why? Because it's more of a milk kind of word of God. It focuses truly on those baseline, absolute, foundational truths that we need to understand. Not like, okay, wait a second, I can't eat, I can't eat lobster? And I, what? Listen, learn about that later. That's meat for you to chew on. You need to focus on milk right now. You need to get settled into thinking about God's love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his salvation. The thing, and this is the phrase I love, the simplicity that is in Christ. 
Yes, there are so many deep things in this book that we will never understand. Okay, and Dan referenced that this morning. There's stuff that you start getting to the metaphysical. You're starting to think with the mind of God. We can't. We got damaged brains. But there are certain things that are simplicity in Christ. And that God compares those things to milk and he compares those deep things to meat. You see again this imagery of food. Look also again of uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 he gives us this same idea 1 peter chapter 2 verse 2 right along this same thought line as newborn babes desire the uh, sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby see with me you see how god uses this and again i love the fact that he created you and i to be exactly who he wanted us to be we know that we pretty well need to eat regularly some of you it's three meals a day some of you it might be a, you might be on a special diet where it's six small meals a day some of you may not eat breakfast and eat a light lunch and then gorge yourself at supper i'm getting i'm not giving dietary lessons all i'm saying is god makes it very clear that we need to have the same desire toward his word as we do to making sure we're eating his word all right Back to Leviticus chapter 22. Any questions on that? You see how this is a vivid picture of what God wants from us. Not only does he want us to feed on it, he wants us to desire it like nothing else in our lives. It is so sweet. Sweeter than anything I can crave is God's word. Do you crave it? Back to Leviticus chapter 22. We read verse 7 about because it is his food. Verse 8 That which dieth of itself, or is torn with beasts, he shall not eat to defile himself therewith. I am the Lord. They therefore, that keep my ordinances, shall bear their sin for it, and die thereof. If they profane it, I the Lord do sanctify them. God says, be careful. Because even in your feeding on God's word and the holy things that he's put before us, make sure those things aren't defiled and don't defile you and one of those issues and i'm not going to reteach the whole thing but he basically says anything that has has to do with something that's dead okay how many of y'all seen the the funny uh menus of stuff about roadkill cafe right come on you know like uh, sk- uh skunk uh, or what was it something on a spit skunk on a spit all these things that you listen god says his instruction is if, if it's dead, don't eat it. Okay, if you kill it yourself, that's fine. You can eat it. But if you come across something that's dead, don't. You know, it makes me, it makes me laugh, uh, especially in our area. And some of you guys know this. Somebody hits a deer with our, their car. What happens? There's about 12 different phone calls that go out. Joe, get down here with the pickup. We got a deer on the side of the road, right? God says, listen, if, it, if it's dead... Whether it died of itself or something else killed it, if it's dead, don't touch it. Now again, is God telling us that uh, eating that deer off the side of the road is a bad thing? No. Again, he's using physical pictures to show us a spiritual truth. If what you are eating is something that is dead, then you better stay away from it. Okay, we talked about that. My old, this flesh of mine is dead. Right? 
you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. My old flesh, this old life is a dead man. And that's why Paul says, listen, I die daily. He says, mortify the things of this flesh. Um, I got to make sure that I keep my flesh out of this. But the other thing, and again, if you want the deeper truth on this section, we covered it about four weeks ago or four recordings ago. He also talks about those who are unbelievers are dead. And this is a big deal because especially when it comes to digging into our spiritual food, be careful who you get your information from about God's spiritual food. So many times I love this. When we read those passages, and there's others, it doesn't say, I fed upon every word that cameth out of the mouth of Paul. It doesn't say, I, I, I cherished every word that came out of the mouth of Ezekiel. You know what it says? It says, I cherished every word that came out of God's mouth, from his lips. And again, please, uh, if you're going to read, read commentaries, that's great. Read devotionals, that's great. Spend time reading what other people have thought, thought because you're sitting here listening to what I have been thinking. You're listening to what Dan has been thinking. That's not a bad thing. But you are going to get what you need as your spiritual food from God's lips. And that we'll, we'll get back to this in a minute, okay, how important this is. But be careful. You know, you can flip on the Discovery Channel and see a theologian come on and talk about God's word and find out the guy hasn't even accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He's not even sure that there's a God. But he studied the Bible. Be careful who you get your information from. Because there are a lot of people out there who talk about this book, but are not one of his priests. They're not one of his children. Okay, and we talked about that. There's verses in the Bible that says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. Okay, because they're only spiritually discerned. You and I can only understand it, and again, back to Sunday school, because God's Holy Spirit is within us to help us learn it. Okay, so he says, listen, if it's something that's dead, stay away from it. If it's your old flesh messing it up, making excuses, well, I know the Bible says, but you know, we can convince ourselves that uh, the Word of God isn't uh, exactly what it says it should be by my own flesh. Or, I know what it says, but I want to do what I want to do. Or, be careful letting others who are still dead in their trespasses and sin dictate what God's Word says spiritually. Now, verses 10 through 13, this food is our food, your food food let me put it that way it is your food now let's look at this 10 through 13 there shall no stranger eat of the holy things a sojourner of the priests or a hired servant shall not eat of the holy things but if the priest buy any soul with money he shall eat of it and if he that born in his house they shall eat his meat if the priest's daughter also be married to a stranger, she shall not eat the offering of the holy things. But if the priest's daughter be a widow or divorced and have no child and is returned to her father's house, as in her youth, she shall eat of the father's meat 
but there shall no stranger eat eat thereof. If a man... Oh, I'll stop there. So this meat is for you. Now, this is extremely important. And this is where I, I, I struggle. And I'll be honest. So we, we talk about the fact we're human. I'm human. God has gifted me with the ability to teach. Okay? I enjoy it. He has encouraged me to do that for a long time in my life. But it's something... Some of us have blessings of others, things, you know, uh, you have the gift of mercy, you have the gift of others. I like to talk, (laughs) okay? The problem is, sometimes when I get to God's word, I'll be reading it, and I'll go, ooh, that's a great sermon. Ooh, that's another point I can add to next week's message. Ooh. And I'm thinking about how I can take what I just read and give it to others. You know, when I'm reading the Word of God, the first person I need to be caring about what it says is me and my family. And that's why this is very important. Too often we may be reading the Word of God and uh, you ever do this? I do this. You do it too. Don't lie. Okay. That you read something or you hear something that I say or hear something that Dan says or hear something of a preacher on the radio and you go, yeah, I know people like that. Come on, anybody else do that? I know somebody who, who should hear this message. Man, I'm going to record that one and send it to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so because they need to hear that. Right? Well, first of all, maybe we ought to ask God, is that something that I need to hear? I talked at men's prayer breakfast this morning briefly about this. You know, I ordered the breakfast that I wanted. I didn't order the breakfast I want because I wanted to feed Jim and Oscar and Charlie and Jake. I didn't get that plate full of food so I could give it to them. Now, I would have if they asked me. They better not. I'm too wild. Stab them with a fork, okay? Just teasing, you know. I ordered that because it was the food that I wanted to nourish me. Here, it's talking about the fact that when a priest is looking at this word, this picture of the word of God, that first thing you need to worry about is God taking care of you spiritually. And again, that's why last week we had discussed this. Sometimes it's good to have deep doctrinal studies you know, digging into the meat of God's Word. But let me ask you a question. Can you live on meat alone? I'd like to try. But you can't live on meat alone. And contrary to what a lot of people think, it's hard to live on vegetables alone. Okay, because there are certain things, and they will find vegetables that have certain things in it that the meat doesn't provide because you need that. Okay, you need a balanced diet generally well that's the thing god's word we need to be in it from cover to cover we need to learn it we need to be every word of god because there's certain times i'd like man there's meat i'd love to get into man that'll preach i've got this deep things of god and you know there are christians who only strive for the deep things of god they want to know, and, and uh, we talked about this, and we talk about this in Thessalonians, I believe, uh, or, no, it might be Corinthians, you have to correct me. Um, 
where it talks about they're only looking for the new thing, the deep thing. Well, uh, Pastor, you're preaching about love. We've heard every love. Teach me about how we know what's what the di- this deep nugget that I've never heard before. You know what I generally get the, connect, uh, the response from people that have never tried a certain dish before? Come on, just think about it. Hey, ladies at the ladies' luncheon, we prepared a special meal for you. It is escargot. Anybody know what escargot is? Snails. Come on, we're going to go downstairs, ladies, and we prepared a whole meal of snails just for you. How many of you are going to go try it? See, when I find people not wanting to invest into new things, they like their traditional old things. God's word gives us a lot of insight, but listen, here's the key. He says, it's not your responsibility to worry about strangers when it comes to the word of God. Yes, it's important, and we saw that. How many times have we seen already that phrase, and the stranger that sojourns among you. But when it comes to my feeding on the word of God, my feeding on the word of God is for me and for my family. Now, did you catch that? If it's a daughter who got married and she's out on her own, now it's their responsibility to feed, not mine. Now, if she comes back to me again and begins to live in my house as she did when she was a child, then again, I would teach her as a father. But for me as a priest, as a person, I need to worry about how the Word of God is helping me grow and my family who I'm responsible for first and foremost. So not only do we need to crave this like it's that longing, that urge, that ice cream that we just got to get a bite on. Not only do we need to understand that it is absolutely necessity for my daily walk that I've got to be in God's word, but I got to realize it is for me first. It is my food. And I can't open it up and go, man, Bethel Bible Church, I can't wait till I share this with them. By golly, they need to hear this one. You know what is the greatest sermons that I've ever had the opportunity to share? Is those ones where God has beat me up about them. When it's something that is special to me, then it's something that when I share it with somebody else, it become, God can use that. You know, if it means nothing to me, if I'm just reading it off because it's some sermon I got in a book somewhere and God hasn't touched my heart with it, why would I expect God to touch anybody else's heart with it? See, you need to nourish yourself first. It needs to become something special to you. If God's not convicting our own hearts, and this is where I have a problem. I was talking to my father-in-law this week. You know, there are books that you can order out there. 52 sermons for 2022. I can order a book tomorrow and have every sermon laid out for every week of this year. I don't even have to think about it. All the verses are written down. All the points are all there. Everything's just laid out. And I could read those verses and preach them, but you know what? If they're not meaning something to me, why would I? If God's not using those things to nourish my own soul, then why in the world would I think it would be good for somebody else? The first person that needs to get worried about being fed is you. If you're discipling someone, or you're trying to win your neighbor, or something else, 
you know what? You need to be in this word so you are strong. You know, I love this uh, old adage that you ever fly in an airplane and they talk about in the case of cabin pressure, a mask will fall down from the ceiling. And, uh, you know, just tighten the mask and don't worry, oxygen is flowing, just take nice... And then it says, if you have a child with you, please put your mask on first and then assist the person that's next to you. Why? Because if you are not getting what you need, you are not going to be no good to help the person who needs help. You could try to get their mask on and then pass out in the midst of it and then you're good to nobody. God's word is very much like that, guys, and that is exactly what we're talking about here. It is for you and your family. If you are not being strengthened in God's word the way you need to, why in the world would anybody think we could minister to somebody else? I need to be in the word of God. And so I got an encouragement for you. And I don't know how big of a bad guy I'm going to be about this. And I say a bad guy, it's really not. But sometimes if you're not doing it, it seems like a bad guy. I asked the guys at Men's Prayer Breakfast this, and I'm going to ask you this. Where are you reading in your Bible? No, don't answer me. But where? What did you read this week? Where did you read this week? Now, if I started asking that question to us every time I saw you, would you have an answer? And not, well, uh, we, we did First John uh, uh, in Sunday school. We, we did Job on Wednesday night uh, and, and Leviticus uh, on Sunday morning. No, where did you read in your Bible? So be ready. You can ask me the same question. And if I say, well, we're, we're reading in Job. That's a cop-out, Pastor. You're studying Job for Wednesday night. What are you reading for you? Because, guys, if this is how we keep ourselves clean, if this is how we make ourselves strong, if this is what prepares us to go out into the world and minister, why would we think God's going to use us if we're not in this? Every day. And not so you can tell somebody else about it. And not just so you can check off something on a book. Because it is more necessary than any food you can eat. So I might just be a bad guy someday. Or a good guy. And come up and say, where were you reading this week? I had a pastor uh, friend when I was in Bible college joke. And this kind of went down the, the pike. Uh, and, and it still is teasing. Somebody, they would ask me, even a pastor friend of mine, when I worked with, a, with another pastor, he would say, hey, Craig, uh, come into my office for a minute and bring your Bible. Because sometimes the Bible is something we're threatened by. You know, maybe it ought to be some of those things where you and I walk up to each other, hey, man, how did it go this week? I know you went and did this. I know you went that, did that. And man, what great weather we're having. It's beautiful outside. You get that raking done? Oh, and by the way, where were you reading in your Bible this week? Are we playing this game that we call Christianity? Or we're really trying our best to get each other to be better for the Lord? Now, I may not ask you, I told you to read Psalms this week. I'm not going to do that. Just are you doing it? Well, yeah, I'm reading the Word of God. Thank you. I'm not going to say to you, how many chapters did you read this week? What verse did you? No, but are you reading? Yes, Pastor, I've been in God's Word this week. Thank you. Pastor, you've been in God's Word this week, other than the studying you do for your preaching. Uh, yeah. 
Because you know what? If all I'm worried about is feeding other people, how healthy am I going to be? You know, I want you guys to eat a balanced diet of vegetables and all kinds of stuff, but I'm spending my week eating McDonald's every meal. It's not going to work, is it? Plus, doesn't that sound awfully hypocritical? That I should be feeding you good, strong word of God, but I'm not concerned about what I'm eating? The Bible is food for you, for you, for me. We need to be eating it for our own selves. Again, I love you, but if all you did was come to eat on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights and that's the only meals you got is because Pastor Spoon fed you something off a plate, you wouldn't be very healthy, would you? You've got to be eating every day. All right? Uh, There are some other verses I could look up for that one. One of the ones that stick into my mind is uh, Joshua 1.8, right? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou wilt meditate therein day and night. Okay, and I don't know the rest of the verse off the top of my head right now, but it says, then you will have good success. You look it up later. What I like about that word meditate, you want to know what the Hebrew boils that word down to? It means like a cow chewing the cud. Isn't that amazing that we're talking about it being compared to food? He said that this book of the law, you need to chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. And just when you think you're done chewing on it, cough it up and chew on it again. Okay? One last thing in this passage here, and I'm not going to harp on it hard, but I just want to make a point uh, because you see it quite often. Look at verse 14 through 16. If any man eat of the holy thing unwittingly, he shall put a fifth part thereunto it, and shall give it to the priests with the holy thing. And they shall not profane the holy things of the children of Israel, and they shall offer it to the Lord, or suffer to bear the iniquity or trespasses when they eat their holy things. For I, the Lord, do sanctify them. Again, God sanctify us. But I want you to see one interesting thing, and again, I'm not going to harp hard on this because there are some people who don't necessarily hold to this truthfully, but um, God uses a fifth part quite often in the Bible. Now, if I were to say the fifth part of something, does anybody off the top of their head who might be in high school or school still know what the percentage of a fifth part is? Ah, somebody shot it out real quick. 20%, right? 20%. Now, again, I'm not going to harp on it, but God has a standard. He has always said in his word from front to back that 10% is what you and I should be giving. Okay, You can do more, you can do less, but that is the number. If you were going to put a percentage out there, that is the only percentage that God lays out when it comes to our daily giving. Again, I'm not going to get on you, case so whether or not it's, you want to give more or less than that. But that is the percentage. Along with that... Anytime God had someone who violated a commandment or mistreated a brother or sinned in any way, it is a fifth part that is given back, meaning twice as much, okay? And anytime God was looking for something special, like when Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls, the people were commanded to give a fifth part meaning 20%, meaning there was an extra thing that God asked people to do. So it wasn't just, okay, we'll take the 10%. I want you to give 20% for this special. I want it, we're going to up the giving. 
Okay, I just want it to be understood that God has a standard and oftentimes, and you can look this up yourself if you want to do a little meat chewing about how many times God talks about the fifth part. And I guess the easiest way I can put this is um, God wants the 10%. That's the standard he asks for. If you're not going to give it, he might just require 20%. Okay, so... You just look it up yourself. I'm not going to get harping on this real hard. But oftentimes, when you weren't willing to give what the initial that God asked you for, when God decrees his edict upon the situation in which you failed, he now asks for 20. And you know how many times in the word of God, when God's people were living the way they ought to be and giving the way they ought to be, he says, their shoes didn't even wear out for 40 years? And you go, huh, you know, I can't afford to give, but I can't understand why my car keeps breaking down and when my taxes went up and why this went up. You know, over and over in the Word of God, if you're not living the way He wants you to, it's going to cost you 20%, not just 10 So just an interesting little thought. Throughout the Word of God, you see this, that a fifth part is required for those who are not doing what they should be doing. So just an encouragement. Consider giving not going to tell you what to give. Did I tell you? I just said God has a standard of 10%. You can take that and do what you want with it. But God doubles that when people aren't doing what they should do. So just be encouraged when God you know, is reminding you of this. So I just wanted to get that out of the way so that when we get to chapter verse 16, I didn't want to skip those verses because every word is important. All right. So I'm going to end with this thought again. Do you crave God's word like it's the sweetest thing you could possibly eat? Like it's your favorite dessert? Like it's chocolate? Are you treating God's word as if it's your necessary daily food? Are you using it for you? Because you know you need it. Not because, oh, I just read this verse and sister so-and-so really should look at this. My brother should hear this verse. Listen, the first person we need to worry about making sure getting nourished from this book is us. Yes? Okay, love you. We talked last week about washing in the word. Now we're going to talk about feeding ourselves and getting strong and having good success because this book of the law doesn't depart out of our mouths. Amen? Let's pray.